What's going on, folks? Motown Rundown. Good to have you back. Uh, it is January 20th as we record this, which is a Wednesday, allegedly. Um, Trent, I got to say, I got a Snapchat from your brother Brock today. It was just grilling me about getting this next episode out. I, he said he had a couple choice words for me. He threatened to kill my family or something. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, but Brock, he was, he was uh, getting antsy. He's the biggest fan of the pod that I know. He loves the pod. Brock's just a big Good. podcast guy in general. I'm not going to mention any other podcasts because because we have competition. I'm not going to give oh, you He listens oh. to the other Motown rundown. Hey, hey, get this. Get this. I, I don't know if I should be saying this, but the other Motown rundown is no longer. Have you heard this? Have you seen this? Have you heard well, this? The, the thing about it, Ravs, is there's probably like two more. But, 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 but so, so apparently what happened, I, I listened to, well, my, my buddy, actually, the one that broke the news to me that there was another Motown rundown actually brought to my attention that apparently that Motown rundown is no longer operating for now. Um, I guess the guy we talked to, Matt's his name, correct? I right. believe he is now um, one of the head guys for this Barstool Detroit that I guess has surfaced this Barstool Motor City. Um, he's running their social. I don't know how, I don't know what the deal is with that. I, I believe it sounds like they're actually affiliated with Barstool. Like he's employed by Barstool, um, but he's doing that now. So because he's got that gig, he's no longer doing the Motown rundown. So I guess everything happens for a reason. Ball don't lie. Ball yeah. don't lie. That's how I put it. Ball, <laughs> Ball don't, don't lie. lie. Ball don't well, lie. You know what, Rams? Yeah. I did. I saw that come across this morning on CNN right before I saw Joe Biden get sworn in. It was just that's right. That happened. Crazy, right crazy headline. Crazy headline. But we are yeah. the we are the Motown rundown. We're back. Yes. I was just thinking about this. Like getting inaugurated as a president. This is like nothing political. How f- that? Like imagine getting a job and you're just like, no, what? We have a celebration for you. Look, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you I did that. You get sworn into your yeah, job too. Like, nice. that's, that's like I got God. I got God. in the national anthem as I'm walking into my cube. Like imagine that. That would be unbelievable. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. It was. It was <laughs> yeah. Like it's, she's like ripping shallow while it's just like I'm filing like a four one <laughs> like doing my W two at, at, at like some like digital media company like that'd be hilarious. Uh, Collins, you're throwing you're you're painting uh you're you're painting the garlic on top of the uh the breadsticks over it over at Little Caesars yeah. and someone's reading the poem about you. Yeah, it's just like, unbelievable. It's a I'm, wa- I'm washing cars at the at the Jets like car wash and they're just like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It got J Lo just killing it on the mic. That'd be unreal. I love it. Um, hey, you guys are back to school, right? This is where I, I started to bring this up a couple weeks ago. It's Ryan Collins' last semester at Michigan. No State. time. No time. Well, I want to. Well, here's the thing. I don't want to jinx it because I don't know if Collins has been like turning his assignments in or whatnot. I don't know if you, if you need a victory lap or whatnot. But uh, I wish. What are the yeah? What are the what are the emotions? What's the feeling going? What's what's the, what's the vibe as you enter your last semester as a Spartan? This is and what's funny about this Collins is like, for me, people that know me, obviously, I grew up a big big Michigan fan. But again, I also used to like, like sniff glue and like put Play-Doh in my mouth too. So we all grow up eventually. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But you are like a and I I, I always admired the, the the Michigan State kids growing up that they were just like absolute lifers. Like all the kids I knew growing up that were Michigan State fans. Their, their mom went there and their dad went there and their brothers and sisters went there and they bleed green and white and you fit that bill perfectly 
and now your time is coming to an end. So it, it must be a little difficult for you, getting a little choked up over there, I can see. It's more the fact where I'm just like continuing to procrastinate the, like on the job search, like part of things. Like, yeah. it, like, like whatever. Hey, it's I'll, a problem for future Collins. It's let future Collins deal with finding yes. the job. But at like the same time, like it's hard to get sentimental up here right now because like you can't really do anything. Like it's yeah. like it's almost like when I move out of like the house that I'm living in now, I'll probably be like sentimental. And when I graduate, I'll probably be super sentimental. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that. But yeah. like I can't really say, oh, this is gonna be my last time there. But I I, I don't know. When February first hits and hopefully all the restaurants are open and then I go I get back to full tilt. That, and then we'll, then we'll have a one last birthday, one last birthday on campus. Oh yeah, we get it. We get it well, my last twenty first birthday. birthday, they shut down the bars on my twenty first birthday. People forget that. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't handle, handle Ryan Collins. They shut classic dad joke. Classic dad joke. Have that forever. But yeah, no, in all, in all seriousness, listen, Collins is the best lifelong Spartan I know. But but well, Collins what's also. It called? The, I don't know. Would continue what you're saying. Didn't, didn't your mom go to Central? We have to. We yeah, have she's to a chip wall. We have to fire she's up. Chip we have to shout out fire yeah, up. Yeah, Amory Collins, chip for life, right there. And also, one, one thing I, one thing I want, we, we love the chip wads. We love the Mac, but we love. This the is a chip wall podcast. If you like Western, if you if you like Western, take the earphones off. I don't want you to listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you like, e- we accept Eastern fans. But we're Chippewa fan, like yeah, we're we, Chippewa podcast. This is Chippewa friendly. But one thing Fire I, I, I want to I want to bring this up because this is on topic, and then we can roll into our actual stuff. But I was I, I think I was talking to my my brother about this, like kind of. He's just, have a semester left, right? As a joke, yeah, yeah. He's got one semester left at CMU. But I was talking to him. I was like, I don't know what was on. You guys were. I was thinking about something, and then I was like. I'm always on Trent's mind. I, I can't imagine when, where Collins is going to end up working. I was picturing you, Collins, as like the Florida Panthers, like beat writers, something like that. I, I like love it. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I have all these, these like scenarios in my head of like where Ryan Collins is going to end up when he gets a job. It's going to be like, um, <laughs> well, he's working double time as the Hooters fry cook, but uh, he's, he's breaking it. <laughs> he gets free parking. He gets free parking. So he's all good. Yeah, it's all yeah. good. Yeah, whatever. Making the cash. By the way, watching the Pistons Stealing. game live, watching the Pistons game live, Wayne yeah. Ellington can't miss, and I'm getting upset because I hate Wayne Ellington. I, I Dude, I, that was one of okay. my goals before the season began. I can't see Wayne Ellington for more than 12 minutes a game. He plays so much. Way too much. And he's like, and, and like kind of hitting shots, so they're like continuing to play him. I'm like, can we not do this? Can we not? Dwayne, Casey, Dwayne Casey's losing me. I'm serious. He's losing me. Should we just get in the Pistons talk just, right now? Yeah, let's let's yeah, go ahead. Go just keep rolling. They're they're what the three and ten right now, playing in Atlanta as we speak. They Up got 12. the Rockets Friday. Um Killian Hayes also I saw today is it will be reevaluated in eight weeks or whatever that whatever that, that whole deal is. So well, here's, here's, go ahead, run with it. What do you got? Killian Hayes, I think I, I looked at a couple couple uh scenarios of just examples of guys in the past who have had that injury and they've rushed themselves back. Michael Carter Williams was one of them. Isaiah Thomas, uh, yeah. not, the real, not the real Isaiah Thomas, the fake Isaiah Thomas. Uh, those guys had those injuries, and they went from you know rookie of the year status or MVP caliber status to you know their their production dropped off significantly. So my biggest thing there, it's just, the, this injury is the same as the Isaiah Thomas one. Yes, but but those guys, uh, those guys, know. those guys opted to have surgery and come back right away. So my thing is like Killian Hayes. The Pistons need to do the right thing by just holding him out. Honestly, dude. It would suck, but I would be okay with him not even playing another game the rest of the year. 
Well, I, I think he's a huge I, part of your future. Yes. And, and I hate to be like, oh, trust the process and like copy what the Sixers did. Like, but like, just hold out your guy. Like, you're, you're trying, you, like, Jeremy Grant, like, oh, like, he's been a fun story for like, I think people who like gave the Pistons a lot of shit yeah. for signing him to 20 million. He's going to make the All Star team, by the way. He's going to make the All Star team. Because the East All Stars are not that like good, and he's and been really he's a, productive. Yeah, yeah he's, he's been productive. And hey, Wayne Ellington just hit another thirty footer. What is going on in this game? Sorry, sorry, I, I'm getting distracted. <laughs> okay. distracted. He's in like fadeaway thirty footers in John Collins' eye. I just, I, 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 I would Your not husband? like to see that. Your but, uh, John Collins, Donovan Collins, Donovan Collins. Oh, Shout Donovan out Donovan. Collins. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I gotta get Donovan on the show. I, he's probably not listening to this, but he literally he has like a Tony D like parody account that's like parodying tony dabrowski <laughs> it's pretty it's it's like it's pretty funny so we might have to get him on the show I'm but it. yeah but when god i just lost my train of thought we were talking about killian hayes like to sit him out the rest of the year like we're as pistons fans you're into kate cunningham sweepstakes or evan yeah. mobley or whatever like they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league and without even like with jeremy grant's production and probably being an all-star like whatever he does is not translating to winning, right? And any like, and, and all Pistons fans know that you knew that get, when you when you bought because you only signed to a three year deal and you know he's yeah. really a part of the future. So yeah, you're right. I will say this: I, I the one thing about Jeremy Grant that I did want to mention and that I thought was the whole idea because the Pistons rebuild window is like the next three to four years, and when they sign Plumley and Grant, like the deals are like sort of big, like in a lot of money, but. I always sold them as like they'll probably play a year in Detroit, and then that second year, like into like the third year, they're gonna try and shop them. They get assets because these guys are valuable NBA players. And Jeremy Grant, it, it like he's played up to his contract, and, and, and maybe a little bit more honestly because he's been super super productive and like efficient. Like yep. and, and he and he's not a minus on the defensive end, so I I, I wouldn't be super shocked if like in the next like two years that's what they're trying to building forwards but you're trying to tank and we said that the whole year and whatever and i mentioned last week like the only reason in like you thought blake would be like good a little he's not good at all he's almost he's almost unplayable and and it sucks to see because it's all injuries and and, and, like it's just over for him which sucks and and derrick rose hasn't been great this year but he's kind of coming on and we said that he needs to be gone before the deadline. I don't know if that's going to happen. So those two things with Weaver, I, I'm a little sus on because I, I thought you had to move those two guys when they had a little bit of value. But with your point with Dwayne Casey, the, the just the lineups with Seiku, we've already talked about that. But it's just weird because you see Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart so much. And yeah. you can talk about Isaiah Stewart a little bit longer. It's just like with Killian Hayes going out, it makes it less fun as a Pistons fan. Like, you're going to be like, eh, do I rush a wet Red Wings or a Pistons tonight? Maybe I rush a Red Wings because I'm going to see Sadiq Bay for 15 minutes, Isaiah Stewart for, like, 18 minutes, and then, like, maybe Speed comes in in the last, like, 10 minutes randomly in a close game because Dwayne Casey's, like, on peyote on the bench half the games. Well, this is what I don't get, and that's a perfect segue, Collins, because I'm not even a Speed guy. Speed doesn't play enough. I, I would love to even see more of Sadiq Bay, Saban Lee, uh, and obviously Seiko. I like Saban Lee. Well, I like Saban Lee too. The thing yeah. that upsets me about Dwayne Casey right now is he'll say things post-game like, we have to find a way to get Seiko minutes. Because dude, he's dude, just, he's, he's a liar. Like, dude, liar, liar. I'm like, I'm like, okay, bro, 
I, I hmm, let me think. Let me think of one guy eating up 30 minutes a game who plays the same position as Seku. Oh, it's Blake Griffin. Like that is why, Collins, to your point, the Pistons needed to move him last summer. They didn't do it, or last whatever off season, weird off season this year. But Seku Demboya needs to play, and I know tonight against the Hawks has been playing quite a bit. But that that is just. That's just bizarre, a, that is the only the only glaring hole so far for the Pistons. Yes, you might want to see Sadiq Bay get a few more minutes, Isaiah Stewart. And, and, and I want to talk about him for a quick second. He's the only player in the league right now who's played at least 100 minutes, and he has mo- – the only player who's played at least 100 minutes that has more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds. He's a hustler. And I think you can officially say – I mean, we're going to have to see the rest of the season play out and stuff, but even if, you know, he kind of tops out as just a rim runner – an energy guy that's your center for the future he's like your small ball center he's gonna jump around he's like a Dennis Rodman Ben Wallace type player he fits Detroit so well I loved him when we drafted him and I'm just glad he's finally starting to get that consistent run but other than that the only problem yes Collins you're exactly right is Killian Hayes going out now that's disappointing and and Seku Namboya not getting enough minutes and I know we're gonna come back every week and continue to harp on that or at least just, just just mention it at least but guys like Wayne Ellington, guys like Mason Plumley, Blake Griffin, all Dude, need I, getting less minutes for these I'm guys. Fine to I, I'm fine with Plumley getting minutes because I think like he actually like helps you like kind of ease those younger guys in because he's such a good facilitator. Right, but he can get did, less. He can get just less minutes. Like he doesn't need to play 30 minutes a game. No, but there's no reason Blake should be playing 30 minutes a game at this point. Even though as we were talking crap about Blake, he's hit like two threes while I'm watching this game. Um <laughs> yeah. but like Wayne Allen, it like I get they're like trying to play like Seiku as like a small ball four. Like you can play him at the three or two. I don't get the Wayne yeah. Ellington minutes. Well, I, I just don't get it. It's so stupid. And, and, and you signed Jeremy Grant basically to take Seiko's minutes. Like, if you wanted to get Seiko minutes, you wanted to sign Jeremy Grant. That's my one gripe with the Jeremy Grant deal. Like, I, I didn't freak out when they signed Jeremy Grant, but, like, you're just taking Seiko's minutes. Right. And, and Dwayne Casey is a flat-out liar. If he's like, I love Seiko. I, I, I love, like, yeah. then give him some Play run. Him, dude. Play him. Like Sadiq Bay has been like his three point percentage is like almost at a historic rate for a rookie. He's been that good behind the arc, but like there's a lot of other things that like Seku can do a lot better than Sadiq Bay, and he's getting a whole lot more run than Seku. And I want to touch on the thing with Sri. We talked about this. I just don't get the rotation. Like I literally, I like I is he on acid sometimes? I just don't like he's on some sort of drug because it's like you know what? Like these guys had to feel the first half. Guess what? Let's put Svi in with like four minutes left in the fourth quarter. He's played like three minutes. He's on a field for this. I, and it's like, what? Why is Derek Rose like playing 20 minutes and everyone else, all these other veteran presidents are playing like 30? It isn't like there's no rhyme or reason to a lot of this things. Well, you're exactly right because Derek Rose is the one veteran that should be getting a little bit more minutes because you're trying to flip him. Yes. You know? And they, yeah. Like the Blake Griffin, excuse me, the Blake Griffin deal is unflippable as we've now, you know, beat the dead horse. Yeah, so that, he's, they're, be, they're not going to be able to move him. He's that's done. That's my piece on the Pistons. If you are in the camp of kind of Collins and I, like Cade Cunningham sweepstakes, you have to be thrilled actually so far by the way the yeah. Pistons are, are – They're going to be a top three pick. But I would just like to see a little bit more – like if you play the young guys, you're actually more likely to lose. And that's not a slight yeah. to them. They're just yeah. not – they're not going to win you games, but that's okay. The season has always been about developing the young players. We got to let the young players play. With all that being said, the Pistons, you know, up 19 against the Heat. 
last night in the first quarter and end up losing that game. You know, and, and it's weird, but those are the things that you kind of like to see here because the Pistons are getting competitive run and they're getting these young guys some minutes. We'd like to see them get more. But early season impressions, dude, I – No, is, but what's it called? The weird thing about it is, like, the Pistons play, like, super hard. I'll give Dwayne yeah. Casey that credit because, like, uh, you can look at the record and be like, they're, they're the worst team in the league. And they're probably going to end up with one of the worst records in the league. And, and I think it's a little unfair to judge our early season record just on the fact that I think they probably played one of the tougher schedules in the NBA Definitely. to start the year. And But, like, they play hard. Like, I, you got to give Dwayne Casey that credit. But, like – it's just weird. I just – I don't – they have, like, too many players. They need to start getting rid of these, like – like, DeLon Wright. What's going on with him? Like, you just have DeLon Wright. Like, you're not utilizing him to, like – for him to be a potential, like, piece you flip or someone to be someone in the future. No, you're giving, like, Wayne Ellington, like, his minutes. To, I, I don't know. I just don't yeah. – we can stop talking about the Pistons as we're just being a dead horse. We talked about this the previous two weeks. But, I, like – Play Seiko. Play Seiko. If they're not going to play Seiko, I'm not going to watch. I'm going right, to be honest. Too, yeah, like, why would I watch? Why would I watch? Out, you, want, you want to see Seiko, that's the guy. But I have been like, I've already said, like, I know who Isaiah Stewart is. Yeah. I know who he is. Right. Like, from day one, you know who he is. Like, maybe he develops his offensive game a little bit more and he becomes more of a guy who gets a little bit more minutes. But he's going to be a guy who comes off the bench or is, like, your fifth starter, gives you, like, 20 minutes and just balls to the walls, cl- cleans the glass. Like, he plays both ways pretty solid. And he just, like, he knows what he's doing on the basketball floor. But you don't need to call him any plays. Sadiq Bay, spot-up shooter with a little bit more of offensive game. I think that was uh, – right now, I mean, that looks like one of the steals of the NBA draft because Sadiq Bay immediately was comfortable at the NBA level. Like, you're like, oh, this guy's going to play for seven years in the league at least. So, uh, like, I know that. For like, what is this year two, and we still don't know anything about Seiko. Like, yeah, yeah, they had he had like that one week window last year. He dunks on Kevin Love and that like whatever, and they started playing him like against. They were playing him like thirty minutes as he's guarding LeBron, and you're like, okay, he's starting to get a little development. And then it like regressed last year, and then ever since this, you're getting like Stanley Johnson vibes. So yeah. I don't know, I which is terrifying, by the way. Yeah, it's no, it's not good. So it's not been. It, Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart have been positives, but overall, what you saw from Killian Hayes and the injury he sustained and what you see from Seiku, that's not good. That's not good at all. So any, I'm unimpressed, like, unimpressed with Wayne. It's not, it's been no, it's not been a good start to the season for the Pistons. I it, that's been a long way of like a long round way of me saying that, but it hasn't. It really hasn't. So I I, I'm very like I, I don't know who you blame either. I don't know if Weaver wants to see like Josh Jackson wants to give him more like I know who Josh Jackson is. Like, you can play, he's like an eighth man on an NBA team. Like, he's playable. Like, can we, like, see Seku, the guy you invested a 12th, like, the, the overall pick on? Like, I just want to see him. Can we get it? Like, ah. okay, yeah. let's let's move on. Let's move on. All right, should we do wings? Thank you guys yes. for that, uh, the Pistons update. Uh, my two All right, Rabs, are you going to, like, come after me during this one segment? Yeah, LGRW and Larkin. Dylan Larkin is the best Well, captain. okay, first of all, first of all, a lot of – before we like talk about Larkin on the podcast, yes. I had a few pops on me and I watched the first game and I wasn't happy with the effort from the Red Wings. That's yes. where a lot of those text messages come from. I stand by my Bobby Ryan statement though. I appreciate it. Okay, well, we'll get to that. I stand we'll by get that. To that. Um, so for those of you who have not been around, the Wings are off to a two and two start 
Uh, their season, I believe, started on the 14th against Carolina. Now, Trent, before we do anything, my friend Trent Collins here is why you're a living legend, Trent. Trent is not a Trent hockey Collins. guy by any stretch of – did I say Trent Collins? I like that. Collins. Might I be my firstborn, Trent. <laughs> Trent Bailey, my friend Trent Bailey, you are not a hockey guy by trade, but you made me the promise that you would watch more Red Wings games this year. And I wish I could say the same for you as far as me watching Pistons games. I just can't do it. But you, my friend, have watched more Red Wings games than anyone on this podcast. I, I watched the uh, – I got all the action in the first two Carolina games. I was not able to watch the matinee game for against Columbus, but I did see the Columbus game, whether it was – was it last night? Um, but you've watched all four. Colin said he's caught two. So, Trent, before I get into my spiel, what do you think? What are your thoughts from my quote-unquote non-hockey guy? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? So let me let me first say I'm not I'm not intently locked in watching these games. I have a Barry Rel- Melrose Bally, as we call him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great way of putting it because I just I kind of I don't know the ins and outs, the X's and O's of hockey, if you will. But I I I'm watching this. Trent's team. a guy's guy. He missed feel. <laughs> I'm watching this team through the lens that you guys have given me, which is it's just the expectations are low. There's a couple players your expectations are high on, like the the, top, the clock's starting to tick a little bit. And you're wondering if the wings are going to end up keeping these guys for the future moving on. I like Bertuzzi. I like Bertuzzi a lot. I will say that. I think he's my he's my wing. I, have yeah, I think he's everyone's wing. I, is he really? Yeah, everyone loves yeah, Okay, bro. then he's he's not mine. Then I'm picking a different. One. <laughs> okay, come on. No, yeah, he's your win. Well, come on. I, I have to. I have to be different. I just have to. But I I like Thomas Grice more than Bernier. That's about all I got for you. I want to hear you guys. Also, though, I assume we're going to talk about Larkin, and I want Rabs to drive on this because he's the biggest Larkin guy. Ran into Larkin at a bar once. How are you? I think right. Did you not? Me? Yeah. Oh, with a tin can. Well, my one of my one of my um, really good friends from school um grew up playing with with dylan so he went he like it wasn't a matter of like running into him but my buddy was like hey let's go out to the tin can which by the way shout out to tin can hope, hope shout the tin out can is still alive february hope 1st the tin can baby. Is still alive shop um, tour back in action yeah but but so my buddy was like like hey uh he's like uh dylan's coming to town with gino of genny svechnikov and uh he's like you want to go out and i was like uh yeah and it's i mean cool guy just normal guy you know doesn't like talking about hockey outside of the rink i get that so i mean he's only a year older than me so rap, rap season is a so is it the nhl cool <laughs> well, that. that's, that's the thing is like it's kind of a, like, like hand up i mean it was kind of a culture shock because i'm just i'm such a big wings fan you know and it's like you, you see this guy play on tv and he's a he's a part of your favorite team so it's like you are a little bit starstruck, but then you take a step back and go, this guy was born like a year. He's a year older than me, a year or two older than me. So it's, you know, it's, it's different. It's different than it's different to see him and be around. And then him he talked like he, he took the girl home. You were talking to at the bar and you were like, I hate this guy. <laughs> now, do you think, now you think any, you think any girls were talking to me? The, the five, foot hey, eight come guy, on, come on. Five foot residual. I did not bring this come up on. as game raps. I brought this Thank up because I want to say this. I have been impressed with Larkin, even though I'm not a hockey guy and I don't really have much to judge this on. But the overtime win against Columbus the other night was awesome. That was just class A professionalism. Bang, bang, let's get off the ice, hockey town, and and, and cue the fight song. That's that's what that was. And that was the first – 
That was the first win over Columbus since, since 2018, I believe. Is that correct, Rabs? Was it real? I didn't even know that. I, I, I think, I have I no think idea. The that's probably like half the teams in the league, to be honest, after last <laughs> year. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But I, I, I want your guys' thoughts because this is where I soak up the information. But yes, I have watched the wing so far, and it's nice. actually been really fun. Good. Well, yeah. So I'll, I guess I'll kind of walk through the games very briefly. Um, that first game against Carolina, my God, did they, they looked look like bad. the worst hockey team I've ever watched. That they game. did, and, and it was it. What was frustrating for me was that I spent all this time on the podcast talking about how it's not going to be the same as last year, and they looked completely the same as last year. I'm talking like, I think they got outshot like 43 to 14. I don't know if those numbers are are per, yeah, it's, Collins. It was 38 to 13 when it was one to nothing before that Dylan Larkin penalty. 38 okay, to yeah. 13. So, so whatever, I, I don't think my number's far off there as far as how the game ended, but just zero offensive continuity. Like, you, obviously, as you heard, the shot total was embarrassing. They couldn't sustain any pressure in the offensive zone. And Carolina, to their credit, probably has one of the best decors in the entire league. So if you're not going to be able to get your F1 in deep to, to put any pressure on the forecheck, they'll break the puck out on you like that and they're back the other way. So I just thought the wings looked completely unprepared. They were not ready to play at all, just slow, no intensity. And so after that first game, I was very, very disheartened. I was a little bit scared, to be honest with you. But you got to take a step back. And I, I think a lot of teams in the league that didn't get to play in the bubble in the playoffs are kind of seeing this um, – they're seeing this trend of just you're, you're a little bit rusty, right? I mean, the, the wings have not played a game up until that Carolina game. And I think it was like 310 days. And I get that they had a, they had a short training camp. I get some guys had the opportunity to play overseas for the most part. These guys really haven't been on the ice as much as they normally would in the off seasons. Um, and, and even if you have a couple inner squad scrimmages, I mean, it's, it's impossible to, to replicate, the level of competition that you see at the NHL level unless you're playing a game. So I think that the first game was, was a wake-up call for them. Did not look good at all. Um, game two, I think they took a big step. I mean, they win that game 4-2, to two, I believe, was the final score um, in, in that game. That game parlayed with the Buffalo Bills winning was fantastic. That was a very fun night. I was at Central Michigan for that one. That was a fun time. Nice. Um, but, yeah. We can, talk I about the video. can we talk about the video you sent us later? Oh, I forgot about that. Yes, we can. The Marvin Jones one. We're gonna talk about it when we get in the line. Okay, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll hold it off. Um, yeah. but uh, game game two against Carolina, I thought they played much better. I thought the the, the compete level picked up a lot. Um, I, I think that I mean you you also and I was saying too. I was talking to my one buddy about this. Uh, I, I we really like text each other throughout every game. Bobby Ryan, and I don't, I don't want to get into my, to my big Bobby Ryan, like for president speech yet, but I was saying to him during that first game that Bobby Ryan is going to make a huge difference for this team come game two. And what do you know, his first game as a Red Wing, he buries his first goal, two great feeds in that game from Philip Zadina as well. I thought, I mean, if you want to talk about player of the game, two phenomenal passes and good looks for him to set up some goals, but Bobby Ryan just brings that scorer's touch. I think he's had 30 plus goals in four seasons throughout his career. So he's got a knack for the back of the net, but I, I thought that, it was a great response from the first game. Um, I don't think Carolina necessarily looked all that great, but 
the bottom line is I thought that the Red Wings were a lot more buttoned up. They were way more prepared to play. Um, I thought they were pretty solid in their own end. Um, and again, just another trend that I've seen is they don't do a tremendous job of sustaining pressure in the offensive zone. Um, I think they get way too many empty opportunities when they break the puck in um, with their zone entry, uh, which is, you know, it's, it, it's going to be a continuing problem for them. Um, but then you come into Columbus. Like I said, I did not see the game, the matinee game that they lost three to two, but I did watch the game last night. Um, this is a game too, where Jeff Blashill really jumbled the lines. And this is, this is one thing about Jeff Blashill, um, that I, I don't want to say I have a problem with, but it sometimes leaves me scratching my head as far as how often you'll see him put the lines in a blender and just mix things up. Dude, he thinks um, he's Babcock when he does that. That is such like a Babcock move. Well, I, 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 I don't disagree that it is a, a bad cock move, but I, I, there's something to be said about trying to build continuity and, and chemistry with these lines. I th think when you have so many new guys on the roster, like the Red Wings do that haven't played together, it, it it's not the worst thing in the world to try to feel it out right off the bat. But I mean, the Larkin Mantha Bertuzzi line to me has been your best line for the past couple of years, the last two years or three um, when they're going, I think that the move to, to switch the lines up really had a lot to do with Anthony Mantha. And I know that Mantha's got three points now through four games. Um, but I will say this, I, Anthony Mantha to me, he, he, I don't want to call him a defensive liability, but Anthony Mantha he is, this, dude, you can say, well, <laughs> you can well, say he, he is, he, he has, he just has this knack for for like you're right Collins disappearing in games and I remember I got to actually watch Anthony Mantha's very first game as a pro in Grand Rapids because my varsity team was playing a game um, in Grand Rapids that weekend when he made his debut and I still see a lot of the same things with him and I know he's gotten better and I know Jeff Blashill rides him a lot um, he's been benched in the past but just this this lazy and, and, and lethargicness to his game where at his size being 6'4", six, 6'5", six, is a guy that has all the tools in the world to be a legitimate power forward. Just in the last four games for me, has just played a real perimeter game. And, and there's several clips that I that I, I or, or events in the game that I remember watching. I'm like, dude, if he can just take an extra step and just, just use your body and just a little bit extra intensity – with the game, like wake up and start playing the game. So uh, Anthony Manta obviously signed like a four-year deal or whatever it was recently. Um, honest to God, I don't know what Steve Eiserman thinks of Anthony Manta. I can only tell you what my opinion is of watching him, but you need, the guy needs to take a step. I mean, he's he, got to be he better. Gold, he is a goal scorer. He, he, he put one in on the, I think it was at the power play or whatever it was the other night where he banged one in off a rebound, um, which was great, but, but he needs to take that next step. And we always talk about Dylan Larkin and can he be a number one center on your team, which I think he can, but as I, as Collins and I were going back and forth in our group chat, I don't hate the fact that they bumped Manta down to line two and Larkin was playing with, I believe in the Mesnikov and Zadina in that second Columbus game, which I'm fine. I'm totally fine with I, I, again, trying to jumble lines and find something that works. I don't think Vladdy and Mesnikov has looked all that great in the past couple games. I don't really see him being a top six forward on this team. I know that Steve Eiserman took a flyer on him for two years. He did draft him in Tampa Bay, um, but I just really haven't seen the pieces from him, his game yet. Um, so Anthony Mantha, to me, if this team wants to take any strides this year, he needs to be a player. And, and by a player, I mean a guy that can get involved and take control of the game with the puck on his stick. And again, he is a goal scorer. I just haven't really seen it from him. Other than that, looking at the lineup, 
Um, I think Tyler Bertuzzi hasn't really gotten going yet. I mean, he and, and Dylan Larkin said it best in his in his post game press conference with the overtime winner that he had. You know, Tyler Bertuzzi just scoring the way that Tyler Bertuzzi does of catching a rebound off the off the gloves off the pants and it and it goes in. Um, so I think he'll get moving. Michael Rasmussen has played in the last two games for the Wings against Columbus. He was on the second line against Columbus in that game yesterday. Um, I, I, one thing that I noticed about Rasmussen, his skating has improved so much. And he spent some time over, I think he was on loan in, in the Austrian league. Um, so whether it was that or whatever he's been doing in the offseason, his skating has improved a ton. I still don't see him as being a guy that can play top six minutes. And, and I don't want to call it a complete swing and miss on the draft pick because he is still a young guy. But, I mean, my God, when, when you draft him, I, I don't know if they drafted him at nine, if that sounds correct. And I'd have to look back at that draft again to see who they missed on. Um, but I, I love the fact they're at least trying to give him minutes. Um, it, it helps that Robbie Fabry, I believe, is in COVID protocol right now. I think Adam Ernie is also in COVID protocol. And once Darren Helm comes back, too, from, from his non-roster position, we'll have to see where he squeezes into. But other than that, I mean, I've been very impressed with Matias Brome. No points yet for him through four games, but he is just – he's got great hands. He's got great Agree. speed. Agree, he, he, brings, he, he brings He brings this edge to his game that I would love to see Manta bring as far as a guy that's not afraid to, he's, to be the first guy on the four check. He makes a lot happen on the half wall, um, which, is, which is great. And I think it's just a testament, to, again, how good his hands are. Um, waiting for him to get going. I don't know what kind of offensive production he'll bring, but at least to be a third-line guy – um, I don't think there's any reason to have, have him play fourth line minutes, but to be a third line guy and hopefully get some penalty kill time. Um, I, I think he's been great for, for all things considered. Um, other than that, trying to look at the roster. I mean, the wings, the wings are going to have a, a lot of the same problems as last year. I think just not in the same severity. And, and by that, I mean, um, I think that they're going to have a tough time finding where goals are going to come from this year. And again, you're only four games in. And I think a lot of the reason why they shuffled the lines was to try to find a combination. Um, they can create scoring chances and, and get a guy on, on, you know, at least one guy out of the three on any given line that can put the puck in the net. Um, and that's why I think that Zadina was bumped up to play with Larkin. Um, they'd like to see his goal scoring touch a little bit more than you've seen in the past in a limited sample size. Um, I think Bobby Ryan too is the first Red Wing in franchise history with four or more goals in his first three games with the team. Um, but other than that, your defensive core has not been bad. I think the goalies have been outstanding. I really do, all things considered. I mean, Bryce got peppered on night one. It, it's just not a team that I see scoring a ton of goals. And, and I think where they make up for that is that I, I think they play a lot better in the neutral zone as far as uh, stopping teams from generating speed up the ice defensively they've been a lot better with protecting the net. I just think my problem is they're not, they're so slow defensively that they get hemmed in their own zone a lot because they get back to the puck and there's a guy on them immediately. They can't get out of their own zone. So that was a problem you had a lot last year. I think having a veteran presence like Mark Stahl, uh, I think John Merrill in that respect too, and, and, a, and a young guy with some speed and Troy Stetcher uh, will allow you to, to generate more coming out of your own zone and at least getting the puck out. Um, but with that being said, um, I, I think that they look they look pretty good through through four games. Um, just in comparison to last year, they they really just don't 
have players like they they just don't I look around the league and I don't think the Red Wings have a guy on their team that can just take over games and I mean Larkin's probably that guy for your team believe it or not but like we like I always say he you just said you don't believe that and you can say he could be a first line center on a good hockey team I just well I'm saying I I I think that Larkin on on this roster is obviously your number one guy I don't think anyone's close but with that being said as I say all the time if he's going to be a number one, one center, which I think he can, he needs a compliment. And I, and, and they, for so long, people have looked or Jeff Blaschel has looked at Anthony Manta as being that compliment as Dylan Larkin being the guy that can create space, can create scoring chances and, and has that great vision with the puck to find a guy like Manta who can bury for you. But, but Manta a lot of times gets caught floating. I don't think he's very as aggressive as he can be in the offensive zone. That's why I say I would love to see Bobby Ryan play more minutes with Dylan Larkin. At the end of that game against Columbus yesterday, they had uh, Mantha, Larkin, and and Bobby Ryan out there together. I don't know if I love Mantha being on the other side of Bobby Ryan, um, but, you know, Bobby Ryan, as I – as I said, and Collins ripped me for as far as being excited to watch oh the guy play. Well, you did. You were like, how are you, you that excited that, to watch Bobby Ryan? That's not the sentiment Ryan? of the comment. That's not the sentiment of the comment. Was I, excited to, watch, was I excited to watch Thomas Vanek play? No, Probably because not. he's not going to be a part of the future. Okay. Even if you yeah, put I, up production. That's, that's what I'm saying. And my Dylan Larkin comment, as we – I was hooped one night. I was saying some stupid things about Dylan Larkin. He's a good player. He is. I'm just going to say this. I just I, – I and my buddy Rob has always said this, and he says it to me all the time. He's like, if he's going to be like that Nets-level player, like, I think we have we already would have saw that. Like, he's good. Like, he's a good piece. Like, I think it would be interesting to see him with, like, a dominant center. You put him on the wing maybe and see what happens, like, down the road. I don't know if I – like, you know what I'm saying, right? I just think he, he could play a lot of different, like – roles i think just he's a really skilled player he really is but i i just i my whole point was i just didn't feel comfortable with the super super long-term commitment to dylan larkin when i think there's a possibility that in five to six years you're like do we want to like move on from this guy that's still my point and i'll bet and i i me just saying like you didn't really feel like a captain that's probably unfair because i don't know what goes on in that locker room but i'm just saying i just Long term, I don't think the Red Wings are going to commit to him whenever they, they get to the point where it's like they're ready to go and start like competing. Well, I mean, again, obviously, you know, that's that's, a, that's, see, a, that's like a Stafford subject. We can talk about that all year. But. Yeah, it, it is. You're right. And, and I guess for years to come, we'll, we'll talk about it on this podcast. I just do it. I mean. I they give him the C. I don't. I don't think that the Red Wings have any interest in in booting Dylan Larkin. No, I'm not. Soon. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like it could be a situation. I mean, Dustin Brown didn't like decline for the LA Kings or something. I'm just saying like we've already established this that he's not going to be the best player or like your franchise cornerstone on a championship team. He's just not like that's. I, I think that's unfair to him because he's just not one of those guys. Like you, is that fair, Rebs? Well, I mean. You think he'd be I, the best player on a championship team? Do do I think he can be the best player on a championship team? I not no, I, I don't. And, that's and, not, and I, not, yeah, yeah. And that's, and not an, that's, that's not an indictment. I'm just saying, right. like, I like this teams have been bad. Like he could just be like, and I think this might just be more my NBA mind 
kind of creeping in compared to the NHL because I think NHL more than any other sport, like a change of scenery or like more people switching up lineups and different people coming into the situation helps people like, it, like more than any other sport. Like, but in the NBA, like I, a bad foot, like a guy averaging like 25 on like the Sixers back in the day. And you're like, Ooh, this guy to be a nice piece somewhere. And it's like, he's just a good player on a bad team. Someone has to put up those numbers. I just have those questions. Is Larkin the guy who just has to put up the numbers? Because the Red Wings are going to put up some numbers. Why not him? Know what I mean? That's well, just my yeah. If if you guys, if you're talking about the future, you know, I think Collins. I've heard you bring up the good old analogy of like Stevie Wyatt and Sergey Fedorov. You know, like Larkin could be your second best player technically, but your leader. Do you think he could be that? Yeah. No, I I don't know. I Ravs was way more. I mean, like that in depth like detail was perfect. I was about to say. The one thing I had, the one comment I had watching the two games, the defense is definitely better. It, it, like, yeah. I, I think their top four is a lot better than it has been. So, I, I mean, Marcel is horrible. I, I Just to go on and say that, he's yeah, not he, – yeah, he, yeah. he, he, he's washed. He's not – he's so <laughs> slow. Is My roommate Danny, my buddy, he goes – Marcel's visor is like to his mouth too. It's like a bizarre well, he, blood. Dude, he's got he's he had that he took a puck to the eye. It hasn't been the same since. Is that what it is? He almost I don't think he has much vision in that eye anymore. Yeah, that's well, why he's he wears, got a tinted uh, visor. Why it's because it of the then? light. It's because of the light that it affects oh. his eye. It's yeah. Now so, I feel bad. Oh. Well, Sorry, that's, and that's you know that's I think where his downfall was is he took that puck to the eye and I I don't think he's fully regained complete vision in that eye which is yes he wears the face shield it's a very long it's the longest face shield in the league because yeah he doesn't want to take a puck there anymore but yeah i, I do think that he has it's not like old school like lidstrom and Tronwell vibes with that visor but like right. I, I just said like marcel's unplayable like he i hopefully like chalowski <sighs> gets a, like i he's not he's He's not good, Ravs. It's just like from a physical point. Like, he's had a nice career. He's at the end of the road. Like, this is like – I think this is his last year in the league. And, like, you're going to deal with it because the wins are so rebuilding. But like you said last week, I would just like to see a couple of the younger guys get some opportunity. And it sounded like the guys on the Tatsy squad are going to be in and out of the lineup a lot. Because Iserman said, like, even when the AHL starts, like, I'm not going to just, like, have these guys up here not to play. Is that right. just like it hinders their development? So you're gonna yeah. see a couple of the younger defensemen, and you're gonna—I I don't want to like name names right now, but you will see those guys because it sounded like Eiserman was pretty intent on that. I just wanted to say that I thought the defense looked better. Stetcher made a good impression on me. Uh, Hironic still looks pretty solid. I—I—I I, I think when I whenever I see Hironic though, I feel like I—you want a little bit more on the offensive side because like. I feel like he should be putting up a little bit more production from that, like that back end. I could be wrong, yeah, because he, he just—it looks like he has the tools out there. Every time I watch the wins, and I'm a victim from not watching the wins a whole lot last year because they stunk. Yeah. But as the Pistons are going to become a little bit more unwatchable, I'll probably watch more red wins. But that's my really type of things. I'm just saying, I, I like the wins, and I still my take earlier in the year was that the Pistons were more watchable than the Red Wings. We might have to re-talk, like rehash that discussion next week if we see a little bit more improvement from the wins these next couple of games. Yeah, I mean, going going back to a couple of your points, I think number one, uh, when you mentioned Mark Stoll, I don't know so much about unplayable. You're going to have to he eat stinks, five dude. million dollars this he year. He stinks. Come on, oh, don't be he's, nice. He's, like, no, I, I, I do. He's had I a nice career. He's... It's just over for him. It happens. <laughs> 
I, I, I hear you. I mean, he, he definitely doesn't have the speed anymore. I, I think he's, I mean, he's, I, I think to his credit, I mean, as far as being a puck moving guy from your own end, I think he can still get the job done. But there were a couple of times I remember watching in the last couple of games where just, you know, just pucks that should have been kept in that get by him. I don't think he's as sure as the puck as he once was. And, and the speed isn't there, but you're going to have to eat his $5 million this year. It's not going to be a guy that you're going to, you're going to go flip at the deadline. Um, it is what it is. But uh, with that being said, I, I, the one promising thing that I am really proud of, I guess I would say of Steve Eiserman and, and the Red Wings and even Jeff Blashill is that they, they're clearly not afraid to scratch a guy like Franz Nielsen. Uh, I think he might've been scratched in two games. I don't know if Your it was boy. the second Franz. Yeah. I don't know if it was the second Carolina game in the first Columbus game, um, but he was definitely not in the lineup for a couple of games. And, and what that allows you to do obviously is Michael Rasmussen gets time, which is awesome. Um, Robbie Fabry, as I said, I think is out due to COVID protocol. So you're missing him. Um, but I think to your point, Collins, on the back end, I would have to imagine, you know, Alex Biega is a healthy scratch for you every night as he should be. And I think that, you know, with some more time in practice with Dennis Chalowski and Gustav Lindstrom, I have to imagine that, that the conversation has been had with a guy like Mark Stahl. Maybe it's John Merrill. Maybe it's Danny the Kaiser even of just saying like, look, you know, we, you might have to take a couple games off. And for Danny the Kaiser, as a guy that's been, he hasn't been able to really stay in the lineup the last couple of years because of injury. Maybe dude, he, he's, he's totally not fine with. He's not looking. Oh, he's either. not. He's dude, and that's again. He's he's, he's a bad. product of he's a product of a bad contract. And Ken Holland got all all jumpy and, and and gave him all that money. So people will always look at him in that in that microscope of you get paid this money and you really don't produce much. But I mean, again, to his credit. He's been banged up a lot, and yes, he, he's he's not a he's not going to be a productive guy on the point for you anymore, in my opinion. And I think that's a guy that you that you cut your ties with whenever his contract is up, maybe in the next two years. But the point being is, um, I could see the wings going with seven D in, in some games this year. I really I really can. Um, just just to try to get guys reps. Um, but back to the Larkin thing that I that I want to end on. I, I I hope that I make sense to the people when I talk about Dylan Larkin. Is, is Collins? I do tend to disagree with you that I, I I think he is going to be. Will he retire as a Red Wing? I could see it, but he's 24 right now, so there is definitely something to be said as far as you know how much more can he possibly develop. I do think that there still is some room to his ceiling as far as where he can go. My my point is is he is your number one center on this team. And, and I, I don't think that he is incapable of being that for you, for your team, but he needs someone to compliment his game. Dylan Larkin is, he, he's been the face of your franchise ever since Henrik Zetterberg hung him up. Um, when, and that's, that's not to just to say that he was a product of circumstance. I think he's earned it. He's, he's one of the fastest guys in the league. I think he works his bag off every game for this team and, and it goes overlooked and maybe it doesn't get noticed because of how bad the team has been. And when you really can't look at your lines one through four and pinpoint where your production comes from, where does it all come back to your best player? And that's Dylan Larkin. So I think that he carries a lot on his shoulders, not just as the captain, but it, it, of being your best player. And that Larkin-Manta-Bertuzzi line, I don't mind Larkin 
and Bertuzzi together because I think that, that Bertuzzi's presence is, is more of a two-way forward, even if you want to throw him the power forward tag. Uh, I, I think it works, but you know, Anthony Manta's got to get going. And when, when he's not on, he makes Dylan Larkin look bad. So I'd love to see Bobby Ryan get some time with Dylan Larkin, because as I said, I think it is core. Dylan Larkin's the guy that sees the ice very well. Um, he can use his speed to get into open space and create space and opportunities for other guys. And Bobby Ryan is a goal scorer by nature. So Dylan Larkin is more than capable to get this guy the puck and have Bobby Ryan put the puck in the back of the net. I just think that if this team wants to take the next step, they need to find a better compliment to Dylan Larkin than Anthony Manta. And that's not to say that Manta's not a bad player or that he's not going to be not going to be here when this team is good. I don't know because again, oh, I, he hasn't maybe, improved yet. He hasn't took maybe, that step yet. You probably yeah, should, maybe yeah, yeah. maybe I don't see maybe I don't see the things that and again I know that Jeff Blashell has benched Anthony Manta in the past. It's no secret that his I don't want to call it work ethic, but he just has this, this ability to look so lethargic and so disinterested in the game. And you see the game hey. now. It's so fast. Yes, yes, Trent. Andre Drummonditis. Maybe he just looks a little lethargic, but he's not. Maybe he's just a little Dude, stop, stop. I, okay. I, I, Andre Drummond is literally my least favorite athlete in, in sports. <laughs> I'm not, I, like, I say this all the time to my friends. I hate his jumps. I loved him when he was here. He has really, really, really shifted down in the ranks for me. But whatever. Dude, he's just like one of those I, – I, sorry to tell you all. He's, he's just so de- annoying. He's so he's annoying. He's just literally the definition of a guy who puts up good numbers and you'll never win with him. He's, he, he, like, he also thinks he's an Instagram model. But whatever, Rams. Well, I, I didn't mean to cut you His off. rap music no, isn't fine. very good either. It kind of stinks. Dude, yeah, his Instagram is bizarre. <laughs> it is bizarre. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. But um, yeah, as far as, as far as Manta is concerned, uh, I I don't, I mean, I think the whole, like I said, the whole reason why those lines were jumbled was to try to get Manta going. I mean, he puts an easy one in and and it went in, like he bangs a rebound and I can't fault the guy for it. If he's going to score goals, then great. I mean, not every, not every player plays the two way game that that you hope. I think that's why the wings love the Lucas Raymond pick because that's a guy that, that, that plays the complete game. I mean, he plays the game goal line to goal line, which is fantastic. Um, so I don't know if that's a guy that tried to pair with Larkin. I think we still have, have yet to see Philip Zadina at, at his full capacity. I mean, two, two assists in four games so far, you'll take that. Um, but I, I don't know who it is, but I, I just think that if you can get a guy that you can pair with Dylan Larkin, that that is is a superstar or at Dylan Larkin's level or a notch above. I think number one, you take some pressure off Dylan Larkin, and two, I think you open up his game. I mean, if you can take eyes off Dylan Larkin when he's on the ice, Dylan Larkin can score goals. I mean, he just he just can. He's got he's just got that complete package of a hockey player that I think that if you can find a guy that takes some of the pressure off and can get him the puck back when he gives it up. Um, he can he can produce more so than, than he than he has in the past. But I I think he's a fine player. It's just the product of again, you're you're just looking on this team of like where is it coming from? I mean, I don't know how much you can expect from a guy like Valtteri Filpula and, and Franz Nielsen and Sam Gagne. When Darren Helm comes back, I just, you know. We still have a lot to see. I mean, again, Nemestikov still has to get going, um, and, and we'll see how they how they roll with the practice squad. I mean, Christian Jews, I think, is going to be available sometime um, quite soon for them to plug into the defensive side of things. 
Um, but other than that, two and two start for the Wings. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm pretty happy with what I've seen so far, aside from some stretches and in, in the first game especially. But they'll play Chicago on Friday and Sunday. I think Chicago's still looking for their first win. So they stink. Um, yeah, and I, I feel bad. I mean, their goaltending situation. You feel bad. Who cares? I don't. I don't. Who I don't cares? Feel bad. They suck. Well, it's just it's it's just no, like don't. No, they got don't. guys don't like they like got guys bad. like Patty. They got guys like Patty Kane, who I love to watch, and Jonathan Taze. I don't think will be playing this season because he's got some health problems. That sucks. That sucks for Taves, but who but, cares? Yeah, I mean, they got I three guess, cups the last like fifteen years. Yeah, I, I guess you're right, but that's this is where hey, I, I think Mickey Redmond was saying it best on on Fox <laughs> oh, Detroit. Just in the sense of oh, I in love a 56 him, by the way. game love season, him. he's great. Mickey's great, but in a 56 All time game season, homer, it's awesome. You can't, you can't, you can't come out of the gate with four games and go 0 and four. And the Wings have accomplished that task of not doing that. And I think that if you want to compete, if you want to compete, the this bare year, minimum, you got well, you got to go, you got to go to Chicago and pick up both of these games. I mean, you're, I think that you're a better team than Chicago. Chicago might have some guys like DeBrinket and Dominic Kubalik and obviously Patrick Kane. Um, they have some guys that I would say are better players than maybe some of your top guys in the Red Wings, but as a complete list of, of players, as far as your roster is concerned, I think the wings have it much more put together um, from a team base than Chicago does right now. So Friday and Sunday, go get it done. The wings are not as tough to watch as I had originally anticipated on the first game of the season. Um, with that being said, we will finish the show today with some Lions. Trent, you also promised a double shot of trifecta. Is that coming today or no? Yeah, yeah. I got I got a super six if you guys want, or we can just keep it to three. I don't know. Or we we'll see how three. we do on time. We're running a bit long tonight, so that's okay. When do we, we start we, recording? We have reached pride and time here on the podcast. There's a lot of Lions stuff there we to go. talk about, so let's do it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So that's why I think, you know, when we were trying to decide when to do the podcast, um, Trent made a good point of let's, you know, let's hold off for a bit and make sure that things get official. Obviously you were hearing rumors um, as far as who the hires were going to be, but we wanted to make sure that things were official before we brought you the news. So um, as we did talk about, I think a week or two ago, Brad Holmes uh, was the favorite to get the job, did get the job um, for the GM role with the lions. Um, 41 years old. We talked about this director of college scouting for the Rams. Um, 41. And, and, That's why I thought it was. Yeah, 41. I, I hope he's, he's actually 41. And you know what? He's been chomping at the bit to get this job his entire career. He's stuck with he one franchise. He has cool franchise. glasses. Cool one glasses. Fran- he does have cool glasses. I'm glad you said that, Collins. Um, he has been with one franchise since 2003. And that, that speaks volumes to me. He's a loyal guy, and he's kind of just worked up the ranks. Very traditional way of doing things. So I like yeah. the hire. But Rabs, okay, I'll, let, I'll let you continue the drive. Sorry. Well, we, yeah, Rabs. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Rabs, but we've talked about it. Like GM hire, I have no idea what this guy does. Right. right. Like, like, the Rams, I have no reason. No reason yeah. not to trust him right now. No reason. Like the Ram, you look at the Rams. Like they've done decent in the draft, but you look at the like. I mean, Aaron Donald, fantastic. I mean, like a home run. Like one of the best like three draft picks in the last ten years, probably in the NFL. And like Cooper Cup was a good pickup, but other than that, like. I don't really like. There's not a ton. Just a lot of like the uh, LA Rams are like the one of the only teams in the NFL that are like built through free agency. If yep. you look at their like top players and like trades and stuff, it's like Ramsey, Whitworth, and then you got like Robert Woods, who's a guy that came over. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I so I I have no like feel on this guy. He seems to be a little bit more high energy than Bob Quinn. Yeah, you're not gonna get the like stupid pressers where you get absolutely nothing 
consequential out of it. I think this guy seems to be more of a down to earth and uh, more of intense. It wears his emotions on his shoulders a little bit. So that'll be nice to see. I guess it, it, it's so obvious with the two hires and we're going to talk about the head coach hire in just a second that they literally are like, the culture is so bad here. Like the yeah. Patricia Quinn culture is so bad. Like we literally have to go in the complete opposite direction. Yeah. It's like, it's like 180, like full on. And that's why, yeah, we'll talk about Dan. Campbell. It's, a, it's like the lions dated a blonde girl and she was crazy. So they can never date a blonde girl. She, <laughs> right, right. They're, they're only, they're only dating Burnett's now. Right. Uh, Collins, one one thing I want to say about Brad Holmes, last thing I want to say, I just hope he can draft in the second round. I just hope we don't have any more. I hope he can draft in the first round. <laughs> oh, I, I hope he hits in the first as well, but the second round for the Lions over the last, I don't know, four years has been. Shout out to Lonnie Tavai. Yeah, shout Everyone's out Will Gerzik too, Collins' buddy, friend of the pod. Yeah. <laughs> we literally um, just have a Gerzik minute where he just talks about Tavai. For a minute, and just yeah. literally blows his top off. I like it. I like <laughs> so it. Funny. Will Will Gerzik, Will Gerzik, by the way, off the market, ladies. Sorry oh. about that. <laughs> to give Will a little shout out there. Shout out, yeah. my friend Mallory too. <laughs> Mallory Martluck, how are you? All three of um, us still on the market, right? Still on the market. Yes, the Motown Rundown boys are available. DMs but, are open. DMs are open. Um, yeah, I will say my my piece on Brad Holmes again. I I think with with the with the GM hire. I mean, I get that he doesn't have experience in the general manager position. Um, you got to start somewhere, I guess. I mean, like, like all guys that were GMs had to, you know, they didn't have a GM job before they got their first GM job. So like, I, I understand that there might be some frustration on the surface from Lions fans, as far as like, well, don't you want a guy that's that, that has, you know, is, is at least familiar with the position and what it brings. And I, I think as a guy like Brad Holmes, who's, who's been in the Rams organization, I mean, director of college scouting, like you're right in the GM's ear. So I, I think you see a lot of the action. Um, and for me, I, I, I get so sick and tired of like listening to 97 one and they got every excuse book of why these hires aren't good and why it's going to be a disaster. Here's the bottom line for me. Culture is everything. Everything. And I don't, and as we've said, the culture in the Lions organization has just stunk. It stunk with Patricia and Quinn, especially. I think when Jim Caldwell was here, you saw more of him being a bit more of a player's coach and guys love to play with play for him. But even with that being said, it has to start with the culture and everything I read on Brad Holmes, all these things come, come to mind about his intangibles. You know, it's his, it's his work ethic. It's his ability to build relationships. It's the way he treats people. You even saw in his introductory press conference, every time he was asked a question, hey, that's a great question. He would address the, the reporter by name. That's a great question. Thank you for asking. That to me, Literally, it, yeah. it, it just speaks volumes. And it's completely night and day from what you saw with, with Quinn and Patricia. So if, if I, I have to... As easy as it is for me to sit here and not have any faith that the Lions are going to get this right, and deservedly so, I have to at least look at the information I've been given, and I'm not going to pretend, and nobody should really pretend to sit here and be like, oh, he's not going to be a GM because of X, a good GM because of X, Y, and Z. How do you know? Like, no one knows. Rabs, Rabs, to that point, Why do people want to retread? Like, I'll I'll say that, and I'll let you go. I just I don't want to retread. Like, if you get a retread, like a GM, like the Lions are a one of one job in yeah. NFL. 
Like yes, you can't exactly. compare like, you can't compare it to anything. I want fresh blood in here with a little bit maybe different ideas because this yeah. organization it cannot be run like a regular NFL organization because they have not been successful literally ever. Yeah, so Collins, I'm, I'm with you. Like all the younger, rumors about, uh, well, all the rumors about the Falcons GM and that kind of stuff, that was yeah, uh, wasn't here for it. Like it's it, the Lions need like a one of one type of person. Like and, and I mean, like the Lions, uh, like don't get the national publicity that the Red Sox or Cubs did during the curse. But like you need, like, and it's crazy to say this is Theo Epstein's probably the best GM in the last twenty years in sports. I, I don't think that's a think. I think it's just a, a fact. You need a guy like that though, who's just a one of one guy. And I'd rather have that than trying to take a swing at, at, at the Steelers GM. Like, know what I mean? I, like, I'm fine with the hire. I, I, I like. I'm happy that they went in a yonder and like, maybe like, let's do a little bit more creative, a little high energy. I like that. But other than that, I, I, I have no idea what this guy does and like, what does the director of college starting to really do? And what is his input really in the draft room? So I'm interested, I'm interested to see what he does with this first draft and how he runs the draft board. So we'll see. I, I think the coaching hire is a little bit more interesting. It than is GM hire. It is. And, and you know what? I want to, I want to precurse this. Is that a word? I want to preface this before, there you go. before we Journalism. get your guys' thoughts, because I am Collins. I know you're not really on this side a ton, but when I see lions fans on Twitter, just cut, like Rabs, you, you alluded to it. Just the negativity of like, Oh, they're not, th- this guy won't be good because of this, this, and this. It's like, yeah, dude. Hey, like, how, how do you fucking, know? The, how fucking what? miserable do you have to be to every time the Lions make a move? It's like, oh, yeah, like this can't be good. They haven't done like the, well, it. It's, if it's, it's going to turn around, it's got to start. Years. Some, I, dude, I know. <laughs> but instance, here, here's my point, though, guys. Here's my point. In this instance, for me, it's different because the same people who are saying all that shit are the people who were like fired up Chris Spielman was put in the front office. So like, don't get excited and giddy about Chris Spielman being in the front office and Barry Sanders being a part of the search hiring committee and then just shit on their hires right away. Like okay. what you can't have it both ways. And that's why I hate the negative energy surrounding this fan base. And Collins, you have a point, man. It is warranted. Some of these people are just miserable and the and negativity sells. But that, that's just that's my precursor to this whole debate, not debate, this whole topic we're about to get into about Dan Campbell. Because, yes, I know Salah seemed like a home run. And I texted you guys my knee-jerk reaction to Sal- when, when Salah was hired by the, the, the Jets. You said you were done. I, I said I was out. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Like, he was the guy, right? He was the guy. He, he, he's from here, homegrown, grew up a Lions fan, coached at Central, coached at Michigan State. So he seemed – it seemed like a no-brainer. For some reason, the Lions didn't like the way things went. And Sheila Fordham, guys, I know I'm an idiot, but I have faith in her because she already did something that her her mommy and daddy never had the faith to do and, and the guts to do, and that was fire the coach and GM midseason. She did that in her first season as the principal chairwoman and owner. So I, I, I just want to – I think a dog could have done that with the way the season I, was going, though. Me too, but you know what? The Fords don't do that kind of stuff, and she did it. So I guess that's yeah. why I want to – and, and I, I, I put out a shameless plug. I put out a little column today on the Impact website about how – How's I, a shameless plug? Well, I'm just saying – Go read it. Come on. I, I put out a little column about how the, the culture is changing a little bit. I can feel okay. it start to change a little bit because you got Brad Holmes – and you got Dan Campbell, two young guys. And I guess so. You, you the like camp. the hire, Trent. Can you I say? Do. I okay. do like the hire. 
because, and, and, and I will say this, I think he's going to need some X's and O's coordinators to help him out quite a bit on that front, but he is the antithesis of Matt Patricia. I know I said Literally. the same thing about Robert Sala. Our Dan Campbell, Campbell is maybe even more energetic. Dan Campbell's even maybe he's a psycho, more energetic dude. than Robert he's a Sala. Psycho. He is a player's guy, and people forget he played for the Lions for three years. He was on the own 16 roster. He had a pretty good year that year. So, so I, I, he, he is young. He's a player's coach, and culture is everything, to quote Ryan Rabinowitz in our beloved Motown Rundown group chat. So I'll kick it back to you guys, but I do love the hire. Well, the one thing I don't like I, – I, I've bought myself in on this – like on this – like hire with Dan Campbell, like whatever, like they literally are just like, what's the opposite of Matt Patricia? Does that, that, that's literally what this hire was, which I'm fine with because at the opposite of Matt Patricia can't be worse. Might as well take a swing at that. You're like, I'm, I'm not going to hate on it. The one thing that's kind of been weird about it because Dan Campbell, it, like if you remember him in Miami, when he was an in interim, like he was national news with his press conferences because he was an absolute nut job in those things. And, and, and with the one thing that I've like, that's been really weird is that like the respect that he has around the league, is like very high. Like he is very, like a very respected coach, which is odd. And I don't know if we're going to talk about this, but there's a rumor that I think the saints cornerback coach is already yeah. signed on to be the lions defensive coordinator, which allegedly uh, Aaron, allegedly. Glenn, yeah, I apparently there's other teams that he's interviewing with, I guess, but that, that came out is like, official like what the way that yeah. the, the way that the media released that was like Aaron Glenn is the new D coordinator for the Lions he was the Saints DB's coach before they even announced that Dan yeah. Campbell got the job officially so we'll see on that but yeah I, and the one thing I want to ask you guys I I'm not like Dan Campbell gets his first shot at head coach I actually like the hire I think you had to do something like this I think it's a, I, I I do think it could be an overcorrection for just not hiring Frable like three years ago. Yeah. Because I, I, I think it's like, okay, let's go get a guy like Frable. Because we missed out on him last time. Let's go get a player's coach and see how this works out. But like reading in between the lines, they gave him a six-year contract. Have you ever seen an NFL coach in a six-year contract? I've never seen that. I think it's pretty obvious. And, and, and you already heard Brad Holmes say he wasn't tied to Stafford like, uh, since he's like just walking in the building. I got it. They're going to like rebuild like immediately. I think six years. That doesn't make any sense. Why do you shake your head Rabs? I've never seen an NFL well, head coach in six years. Well, I, I remember in, in Brad Holmes's press conference, he was asked about the, the prospect of rebuilding. And his answer was not, I don't have it verbatim in front of me, but it was along the lines of his job is to put the most competitive team possible on the field each year. And okay. the way he that, made it, yeah, the way he but... made it sound, and, and, and I guess what else are you going to say? You're not going to say, Hey, no, the Might roster well stinks. That gonna... out because that's just like GM speak. Well, yeah, but, but I think his point being is that, and, and I, I don't disagree. It's the NFL. It's not, it's not the NHL or the NBA or, M, or MLB. I don't think there's, he has any intention of like, burning this thing to the ground and completely rebuilding. He used the word retool, which they definitely need some retooling on defense, but I'll let you go before I give my thoughts on, on, on Dan Campbell. I, 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 that's all I had to say. I just want to turn it to you guys okay. because that was the only like big takeaway and like take I really had coming from this is like six years. I've like, I could be completely wrong. And I like, I'm just saying in the modern era, it always just kind of seems like he signs a four-year deal. 
or a three-year. Know what I mean? Like six years seems like, okay, we're going to let you get your feet. Almost feels like a college contract. Like, hey, we know the first two years aren't going to go well. But like this is our support to you that we're going to give you time to get this done, which kind of gives me the sense that maybe the Lions are going kind of like, hey, here's our direction. We're going to go on an overhaul. Like, like we're, we're going to build this thing up from the ground up. So that that's just the one thing I was curious about. I could be wrong. I'm just saying, I'm like, the six years is bizarre. I've never seen it. It is. It is. But, Collins, to your point, it really – not because even like that if, way. If it, they're trying to go short-term and he sucks, and then you got to pay this guy for an extra four years after you fire him for two years. I just – like, know what I mean? Like, Trent, like, they're committing to this guy. that For six years, it seems like they're – there's some sense in the organization that they're not going to be very good the next couple of years. Well, yeah. And that, that Collins, that's why I bring up the whole thing about me for better, or for worse, buying into this, this culture change here and, and Sheila Florida amp and giving this guy a six year deal. Like you said, that just doesn't get done. And they're clearly committing to him and pushing all the chips to the table more or less. And it's but just like, kind who's of like, after him. Why do you have to give him a six year deal? It sounded like the one, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I yeah. just think, I think it's more of a thing like, hey, we we like, we might be rebuilding the first couple of years. We're we're giving you six years because we're gonna let you know, like, hey, we we have confidence in you, regardless of the record, and like we're like we're gonna put this on a piece of paper because if we let you go after three years, you're getting paid another three years. So yeah. I don't know. I, I want to get Rabs in the midst because he hasn't really gotten to talk about Dan Campbell, but that that was the one take I had from it becoming official that there was a six year deal, and that was like very odd for me. Well, to, to, to go off of the six-year deal thing, I just, I mean, for me, I look at it like, God, I, it ain't a very desirable job. I mean, I don't know if I, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but it's an Dan NFL can't. job. It's an, but, it's dude, dude we, I mean, we talk about all the time how hard it is to get people to come play here, coach here, or whatever. I mean, maybe I, I feel like, I mean, I guess with the no salary cap in baseball, the Tigers, if you want to go pay guys, they'll come here. Red Wings, it's hockey town. Like you got Steve Eisman as your GM. That helps there. But for the Lions, like what's your incentive to come play here? So for me, I, I don't look too much into the six-year thing. I really don't. I mean, again, I just see it as like, look, I, I'm sure Dan Campbell was getting interest from elsewhere. I'm sure for an organization that's under so much fire all the time that they – that they probably felt like a six-year deal shows like, Hey, we trust in you. We want you to come here. You might, I mean, I think Robert Sala got five years with the jets, I think. So I don't really care so much about that. As far as Dan Campbell himself, you know, now for me, complete honesty was Robert Sala, my guy. Yes. It didn't happen. There was mixed things about how the interview went or whatever. Um, clearly, clearly something didn't click there. I don't know if Sala was just like, yeah, F this, I'm out and wanted to go to New York. Or if the Lions were like, yeah, like, thanks for coming by, but you're just, it's, you don't think it's going to work. So either way, I, I, I look at Dan Campbell as a guy that's been an assistant coach or as assistant to the head coach, whatever, whatever he was, Dwight Trude or whatever. Assistant to the regional manager. With New Orleans. Yeah. When I, tight ends coach, whatever. And, and the tight end coach in New Orleans since 2016. Uh, and I believe. I, yeah, so yeah, I believe that he is the first guy from Sean Payton's coaching tree to get a head coaching job. Is this true? Uh, that can't be right. I, I, it might be, though. I don't know. I, that's what I thought. I thought I read that he was one of the first guys that directly, like, worked with Sean Payton to get a – who knows? Well, dude, that's after, neither here after, nor there. But Bounty Gate, no one probably hired any of those guys, so – well, yeah, that's neither here nor there. But I remember watching a, a video of Dan Campbell. I think I texted you guys – 
Um, the, the video in the locker room when he got his first win as the interim coach of the Miami Dolphins and his speech to the team. And I te- I don't know if I texted you. Wherever I texted, I just said, like, they're going to win the Super Bowl with this guy. This is the guy that I want. And obviously it was very tongue-in-cheek. But the point being is you can say what you want about the guy's resume. I mean, again, I'm not going to sit here and try to be the armchair GM and tell you like, well, he doesn't do this and the X's and O's and this and this. I'm not going to pretend like I know all that stuff. All I know is as a guy who myself has gotten into the world of, of coaching is especially in today's day of age. And given that you're working with professional athletes, these, these players don't care about what you know until they know that you care. And Dan Campbell, to me, is a guy that will go to war for his players, which is a guy that you, you didn't have in Matt Patricia. Jim Caldwell was a bit more of a, you know, cool, cool, cool calm, calm, collected, Jesus type of guy. And, and we can sit here all day and talk about, oh, we wish we'd have kept him around. I was fine when they got rid of him. Wasn't a good game manager. Cost you a lot of games. He's done, gone, out of the window. Stop talking about him. So Dan Campbell is the guy. And again, I, I, I as much reason as I had to sit here and go, so there's you, no when way you say they get this right. Guy, you say he's the guy. You like, he, this guy's on a, the Lions will win a playoff game under Dan Campbell. So you're yeah, saying I could, that now. In, in yeah. six years, yeah. I, I, and dude, again, again, maybe that's me just drinking the Kool-Aid. It, it, but I, it I is, but it's fine. Who cares? It is. A I have not. This I is, don't care. This, I is, love it, Trump. Be, that's what I want to hear, Trump. He's the man. I hear, TB. This has to be, this, this has to be, and, and this is not just recency bias. This is probably the most excited I've been about two Lions hires in my lifetime. I mean, what what other guys have you been like this excited this me, about? It feels where there's different. energy. Yes, yes. Matt, Matt, the Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn hire was a very like nerdy like like X like like they 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 crunched the numbers and like these were the guys that were supposed to be calculated and dialed in <laughs> to get your team to the next level because they've had terrible. success with the Patriots Those guys and they were, were they were ass right so so this and at least in my lifetime of being a Lions fan this feels different this is a rah rah like emotional culture guy hire and if dan dan campbell seems to be like the definition of a player's coach and that's all all i want to see from this team is energy effort passion not quitting and then you have to trust and you have to hope that dan campbell who's been a guy that's been around some great coaching coaches and a great coaching staff in new orleans and a guy like brad holmes who's been around Sean McVay and has seen the Rams kind of come to fruition and put it together. You have to hope that these guys have the capability to put smart people around them, whether it's if Aaron Glenn's the D coordinator or not, whoever they hire is the OC, or if they keep bevel for whatever reason, you just have to have faith that they know the right guys to put around them. And I just think that Dan Campbell, his job is to get the locker room up, and have these guys buttoned up and disciplined and excited to play every single week. And I think he can do that. Brad Holmes's job is to bring talent in here through the draft and through free agency. And again, as a director of college scouting, to answer your question, Collins, does he have a, a role? Yes, he has a role in the draft. He's no, a director no, of college no, scouting. No, 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 no shit. He has a role in the draft room. I'm saying, does he, is he like, <laughs> is he like, hey, like I like I don't know what the credibility level. I'm assuming he has a pretty high credibility level 
with Les Snead, who I believe is still the GM there for LA. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know if he's like his right hand man is like, oh, I really trust Brad. Sure, like, uh, sure. I got yes. Out. That's yes. I, like, you don't understand that. So you're not going to see what his philosophy is until you see him run a draft for the first time as a GM. That was my point. Right. And- well, I, I did. Collins, you're exactly right. And I agree with you because it's almost like a shot in the dark with this guy. But Rabs, to your point, it's like you got to take a swing on like not. No, not I like it. The next I, year. I, I, and, and, and I think we all like it, but we're all aware that like, yeah, we don't really know a ton about him. Right. He was in one organization for two decades. What I did read, and this is, this is the only reason I wanted to bring this up. And who knows if this is actually true or not, but I did read that he was pretty instrumental in drafting Aaron Donald. So there you go. And especially for go. Lions That's fans, how he got hired, probably. especially for Lions fans. Yeah. You look back at that 2014 draft where you got Eric Ebron that's just – that's a big selling point. That's it's like Troy point. Weaver. So, yeah, man, that was the reason we drafted Ibaka. Hire me yeah. as a Pistons GM. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Hey, I have one closing thought on this matter, uh, on Dan Campbell specifically. Rabs, you just harped on it to a T perfectly about how being a player's coach is the is the first and foremost important thing as, as a is head it, coach in the NFL. No, it is. These I'll, days I'll it is. It, what, what well, Belichick's not it is. Belichick's not – a player's coach, but, but one dude, of a the kind. guy. The guy has been the guy has been so good that I think he has that innate credibility that players that go to New England understand. I'm playing for a guy oh. that knows what it takes to win. He's gonna put me in the best position to succeed. And it's not like Bill Bella. Like you look at the Patriots receiving no. corps. You're like, who are these guys? No, these I understand guys? that. I raps. I understand that. But I, when you and Trent say it has to be a player coach, I understand that. But like. There's also like a double-edged sword there where you could go like, like Rex Ryan, where it's like over, like, like what are we like? It's like, yeah. it, it, well, it goes overboard. And like, sometimes you can't, you can't hide the fact that Dan Campbell is a little psycho. He's a, I like it. I, I, I did it. Like it, he, like I could see a line scoring a touchdown at Dan Campbell's over with gridiron sitting forward down the field. Like yeah. he, he's ripping, like he, he's got a sleeveless cutout. On the sidelines in Ford Field, week one, I could see him do it. He's a meathead, just is. Well, well like, uh, Big Cat always tweets out that power stance picture. It's hilarious, but like, yeah, he's, 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 he's great. He's, he's a character. I he's going to be entertaining. No, no, I for sure. And he's going to bring I, some energy and some life to this organization. It's a definitely. I, it's kind of like the Schwartz hire. Like Schwartz is, I think, was kind of along the same lines as this. But I think Campbell is. I said it like first time we talked about that. They literally just wanted to change the pace, and I'm fine with that. Like, it, like I, I didn't. When you hire a head coach, I don't need it to be like some offense, unless you're like Kyle Shanahan and some real like offensive guru or Andy Reid, where it doesn't matter what you have, you're gonna like they're gonna be productive on that side of the ball. Like, I don't need some like random. I don't need Arthur Smith, just a random Arth- offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans who's had one good year. Know what I mean? Like, give me a guy. Like, I, I, I like the Dan Campbell hire. I'm just saying, it, acting like there's, it, it's a, it's a bizarre hire. It's a bizarre hire. But it, I, it, I, is. it is. I'm into it. I'm into it. And but, I think the Holmes hire is perfectly fine. And I think if what the Lions need to do, it's you need to bring someone in with new blood and fresh ideas and a younger mindset than the old NFL because whatever the Lions are trying to do, like I said earlier, is just not working. Well, here, here's my final thought on Campbell, and then I'll make, I'll make this quick. I think the, 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 the importance of a player coach, this is what it is for me. These guys are not 
college kids. They're not motivated by getting to the pro level and getting a payday. Okay. The, and, and you look at like some of these, you know, players, coaches of the modern era, you know, Mike Tomlin just took an average Steelers roster to an 11, 11 and 0 start in a playoff appearance. You know, Andy Reed has Patrick Mahomes making Andy Reed's picture, his profile picture on Twitter. Like there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of these Sean McVay was young and took his, his guys to a Super Bowl. Uh, and it's just, it's things like that for me. That's like, that's kind of getting your guys to buy in is square one. I just think that's the most important thing. And the last, this is, this is the last, last thing is this roster and Collins. I know you've talked about this at nauseum. The defense is so bad. It's going to take many, many years to rebuild this defense. But I think having a player's coach in here, you're just factually not going to be able to get off the books with some of these guys like Jamie Collins is going to be a lion in 2021. You maybe, maybe he could figure it out. You know, maybe he wants to play for a guy like him instead of Patricia, who's just a hard ass all the time. Maybe a guy like, you know, Jared Davis, they signed like a two year deal or something. Tracy Walker takes the next step, you know, uh, Justin Coleman figures it out and starts making plays again. There, and I know those were all defensive examples, but on the offensive end, you've got young talent, you've got Swift and carry on. And, and Hawkinson and Decker and Ragnow. So I'm just saying like that. And I, I know you guys agree with me. I just want to highlight that because that is the essence of the importance of the player coach. And I, I, I just think Collins, you hit the nail on the head when you said the lions basically went, they, they, they thought in their heads, okay, what's the exact opposite of no, that? We There's can't no have chicken back. anymore. Yeah, yeah, we, got sick, yeah. we got sick. We got sick at Bravo. We can't get the chicken here. We're having filet give me the steak. Yeah. Give me, give me the, the steak. Give me the filet mignon. That's what it is. They thought in their heads. They, they're like, if you were going to get into a laboratory and build the exact opposite of Matt Patricia, the sorry <laughs> excuse for a coach we've had for the last three years, who would it be? And we all thought it was Sala. Sheila Fordham thought it was uh, Dan Campbell, and that's where we sit now. So there it is. I'm I'm happy with it. I'm happy with Holmes. Good. Yeah. Don't disagree. Don't also, disagree. by the way, fun note before we get into the Trivetta, Pistons all-time taint game, up 14 with four minutes left to go, losing OT. Shout out to the Pistons <laughs> right there. Top three pick, here we come. Saying. If you are a fan of the sweepstakes, you're happy. Yeah, yeah. Kate Cunningham, here we come, baby. All right, Trent, let's do the trifecta, and then we can all go to bed. Well, that just makes Not to no, diminish. No, no I, you no, do, no, the, no, Trent, no, you no, do no, this no. all the time. Listen, Every time look. I don't stroke you when I introduce the trifecta, you get in this mood of like, oh, well, if we don't want to do it, no. Well, I, maybe, it's, it's maybe 10, 10 we, at night. Maybe if we didn't get off on the wrong foot back when the segment started and you completely shit on the name. Do you remember that, Collins? I was like, yeah, that was oh, I, I, thought the name. I thought it was lazy. I thought it was lazy, but it's okay. fine. It works. Okay, okay. Anyways, so I start back to how are you? Thanks for coming. Let's get after it. It was going to be a super six, but we are rambling per usual. So, yeah, guys, yep, yep. it's Collins's last semester at Michigan State. I am going to die when Collins leaves. When you guys are both gone, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be the, the, the sole survivor. It's going to be a little different. But I want to ask, as you reflect back on your college careers now, Collins, I know you still got a few more classes to go. What was the hardest class you ever took? Because I think oh right now God. I'm about I'm about to take the hardest class I will take in college this semester I think. Turn three hundred. It's not even close. Okay. Fair and I I think I've talked about this multiple times on the show. Having a sophomore in high school 
and this is why they do it. It's like a weeder program because it's like a lot harder than a lot of the stuff you're actually going to do if you want to go into journalism. And I don't know. I think Trent wants to go into writing. I've never really wanted to go into writing. There's not really a sports broadcasting program, so I had to take all this journalism classes. So I'll say this. Trying to talk to like legit adults with real jobs, and I have zero like credibility. I'm like, I'm a student at Michigan State writing for a class and trying to have them talk to me and just like, dude, kick rocks like every week. And it like the stress I felt on Tuesday nights trying to get a story done was it was uncomparable. Brutal class. What class are you talking about, TV? I'm talking about 416 or 418, maybe it is. The, the one Great class. Sports reporting three. No, I'm 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 psyched for it. I, I can just tell it's gonna be a challenge. But Collins, Jern 300. For those who don't know about Jern 300, I appreciate it. Jern 300, you have a, a story due a week, one story a week, and you have to have all the courses and you have to log everything. And can't, it, you can't talk to any students either. Right. Just, and it, just brutal. You can't talk to anyone you know. And you have you have to you know it's a it's a beat thing like you cover a certain city so whatever I took that in the summer so I think that it really like, that, that lightened my load a little bit you know I didn't take it with like four <laughs> other classes but whatever Rabs what I'm gonna I assume you're gonna say C, CTE or CSE oh like, yeah CTE. it might Trent, Trent, it might as well it might as well have it been gave CTE. Rabs CTE it might as well have been CTE CSE one hundred and one at Michigan State University is the hardest fucking class i've ever they made seen. it easier did you hear about that right yeah so i'll i'll give you the, i'll give you the story i will also say too honorable mention goes the kinesiology or kin 216 i had to take it for my coaching minor i thought when i initially did the coaching minor i thought we'd just be watching videos of like inspirational speeches all say, how, long. Say, how do we handle the pick and roll that's what yeah exactly yeah 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 exactly <laughs> we talk about the left wing lock for but yeah but it was, I mean, it was a lot. It was a great program. I loved the coaching program. But anatomy, Kin 216, was human applied anatomy. And I, I get it's a very, like, dummy down version of actual anatomy. I, I, oh, my God. It's just impossible class. But CSE 101 is, like, I think the class is called, like, computing concepts and competencies or whatever. I remember coming in the first day to class. And you hear about this class as a, as, a, as a business. You come into school if you want to get into business school as a business preferred student. And everyone has to take CSE 101. And you hear all these kids tell you it's hard shaking as shit in and, Michigan yeah, State. Yeah, shaking in their boots. Yeah. yeah, it's hard as shit. They're like, take it at a community college and transfer the credit in. It's not worth it. It'll be brutal. And you hear all these stories of guys that fail CSE and don't get into the business school. So I show up on day one. Is a is a is a wee freshman, clean cut, clean shaved, come in and like the first words, and it's not even a, it's not even a professor that runs it. It's a bunch of TAs that run it, and allegedly the class is so hard that if you get a 4.0 in the class, you are like required by the school to take a one credit seminar where they put you in a room with anyone that four pointed the class, and they ask you like. How the fuck did you four point this class so we can help people out? That's apparently, I just, that's what I've heard. But I walk in first day and my TA goes, you've probably heard, this is, and I quote, you've probably heard that this is the hardest class at Michigan State University. And it is, end quote. That is a hell of a way to kick off a semester with a bunch of 18-year-old kids in your Immediate classroom. Immediate drop. 
you're you're like Rabs is like, you know what? I'm going to communication school. See you later, bro. Oh, I got a great I got a great story about first of all, I mean it all worked out. I did not do great in the class, but I passed it and I ended up getting into the business school. Shout out Eli Bro College of Business. But I remember my one one of my buddies from high school that went to Michigan State as well that I played hockey with was also in that class to try to get into the business school. And I remember we were, I think we had the same class together, or if not, he had like a, a section right after me. And in order to do this stuff, what you have to do is, is import all this data into Microsoft Excel. And they ask it around a bunch of macros to do all these things with the data, V lookups, all this shit on Excel that I couldn't even explain to you now. And literally the first step to do, to, to take any of the exams is you have to take the file they give you and import the data into Excel. And I remember after the first exam, my buddy texts me after and he goes, dude, I'm like, how'd the exam go? He goes, I was in there for five minutes and I left. And I go, damn, dude, like that's impressive. He goes, no, you don't get it. He goes, I didn't know how to import the data. He got a 12% on the exam. <laughs> he couldn't get the data in, couldn't even take the exam. That, and, and yeah, since, since, since I took the class, they've made it incredibly easy. It's like a flipped classroom now. And, and they make, they, they always suggest, I, I hate that I just keep rambling, but this class was fucking insane. It's brutal. Anyone they're who like, went to Michigan State. Oh knows my God, dude. And they're like, they, they're like, um, yeah, so and you see, you know how credit hours work. Whatever, three credit yeah. class, you're allegedly supposed to have three hours of class work, like outside of class per week or whatever it is. However, the credit hours are supposed to work, um, or, or or I don't whatever. I'm just getting off track. But the the they would make you do the homework. You would sit there in class, and they would try to teach you how to do these things, and nobody could follow anything. And you got a million questions, and they can't ask you questions. They tell you to go to the help room. And you go to the help room and there's 300 people in the help room and you spend two hours in the help room and you didn't talk to a single TA that's there to help you because they can't get to you. Then you got to go home and go do the homework and the homework takes five hours. Horrible, horrible class. It's terrible. I can't believe I even got a degree from the school after taking that class. But you well, did. There we there go. You go. You've got a degree. Wall in my room. Not to jinx anything. Ryan Collins is about to get a degree and whoever hires him is going to steal a great broadcaster. So that's that. Let's get into the next question. Thank you. This that is, was this nice. is <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. This is going to be I don't want to I don't want to spark too much of the too much of a debate because we already have a very long show going here. But o- over the last weekend watching the the playoff football, Ryan Rabinowitz here tried to make the case that if I, if you're a Lions fan and you root for the Cleveland Browns, you're a loser. And it makes no fucking Correct. sense to me. So I want I want okay. I just want to know we don't have to get into that stuff. We can maybe make that a good topic for you know when when things are dead. I just want to know. Yeah, who sure, you're... just blow me up. Just blow me up, Trent. Then we'll just move on. Down, yeah, it's we're down to the final. I don't even know what you're you're saying right now. We're well, down to I the don't... final four NFL teams. Okay, who are you rooting for to win the Super Bowl? You got the Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and and a fourth team I will not say by name. I I am rooting for the Buffalo Bills. That that's no. just that's just me. And again, yeah, I bring this. There. The reason I bring up the first thing is because the Bills are another franchise that are kind of sister locked, if you will, with the Lions in that they've been tortured for years. The torture has been a little different there. They've been to four Super Bowls in a row, but they lost them all. So they're, they're just they're just as. Yeah, it must be nice, dude. Not. Must be nice. Would you rather go to four straight and lose so them bad. all or not go that to any? So let me, let me, let me. Can I defend Wait, myself no, no, first? I want to cut you off, Ravs, before you get into it because I. Thanks. I. Sorry. I just. I. 
I kind of have a similar hatred of the people that become Chicago Cubs fans when they move to Chicago. And, and like, they're like, oh, they we live in Ridleyville. I'm a Cubs fan. Like, that bunched the shit out of me. And, like, when their Cubs got good and everyone was, like, jumping out. Like, you know what? I like the Cubs. The lovable losers. Like, whatever. Like, I don't hate – but like the like full on like massaging of the Cubs for about three years, <laughs> I hated it. I hate I I couldn't stand it from a lot of people in this area. It didn't make any sense to me, especially my roommate William Durzak. I hope you're listening to this. It still bugs me. I let him know almost every day about it. But the, the you said it, you were like mad because me and TV wanted the Browns to win. Yeah, the pissed. Chiefs. Yes. Yeah. Why you want the Chiefs to win? Why do you want the Chiefs to win? No, it was it was the principle of not wanting the Browns to win. Rabs, if I can give you, if I can Rabs, can I give you a scenario? Can I give you a scenario, Rabs? If you sure, I just okay. I just completely lost my train of thought. Actually, so now <laughs> okay, I, I Rabs, I want to hear your thoughts because I don't understand. Okay, well, thank all. you, thank you guys for letting me uh, share my truth. Well, actually, actually, wait, 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 wait. I remember. I remember. a little preposterous. I remembered. I remembered what I was going to say. If the Browns, it, here, here's some ass backwards reason for why you should maybe root for the Browns. If the Browns are to win a Super Bowl, all attention shifts to the Lions. What do we always hear? We always, oh, the Browns. The Browns are the worst like team ever. And like, okay, the Lions have been tortured more than the Browns have. How are you? We can get into that some other day. The Browns and the Lions, like the the the, the fan base torture, it's not even comparable. I have a million reasons why, and I can get into it later. The Lions are, are Lions fans are more miserable. But Rabs, yes. Can you please explain to us why you were yes. viciously against the Cleveland Browns last last Sunday? Look, when when you're down, when you're down in the hole, and, and this just goes for it, it's a metaphor for life. When you're down in the hole, it always helps to have a buddy down there with you that's going through it or that you can lean on. Okay. The Browns and the Lions have been too have been deemed and have lived in this glory of, of infamy of being two of the worst franchises in the history of sports themselves since the Romans were playing sports thousands and millions of years ago. So my point being is this, why would I, why the hell would I root for my buddy just saying, Hey, see you later, bro. I'm going to step on your head and climb out of the hole and get all this glory before you do. Why would I want to see that? Because why, you why do I want to be? No, no, no. Misery loves We're not there. Who cares? It's not like the Browns are, are, if it's any sort of like rival, like I get it. It doesn't make any sense. I have no emotional attachment to the Browns. Zero. And there's no reason to get mad at the Browns winning. Well, you should, because Cleveland and Detroit, them, the cities themselves, let alone the sports teams, Why are do you, why, constantly why, why, dragged. Who cares? Dude, I, I don't dude. care about Cleveland. I don't care. Look, so I, I, I do want to win. I don't either. I don't care. I hate Cleveland. I, I hate whatever. it. I, I'm out on this conversation. Okay, okay. This is the last thing I'll say. I just genuinely don't get it, because there, there is no reason – to hate the hate the Browns if you're lying. Zero. Okay. I could understand zero. if I could understand if you hate the Cleveland Cavaliers because the Pistons yes. and the Cavaliers had a rivalry. I, I could I'm what what do you mean what? They beat you them in the playoffs before. Like, you, you didn't know this is what it the is. Browns Rabs, play in the AFC. Rabs hates Baker the Browns, Mayfield. 
Rabs hates Baker Mayfield. Well, that, that's, is, I don't so like Baker Mayfield. I don't that's like why Baker you don't Mayfield. Like, can you just say that? That's why you, I don't. It's not. I don't hate the Browns. I, I don't like. I don't like Baker Mayfield. I don't hate the Browns. Again, as I said, my it's point not, is okay, misery. Misery loves company. How it, it's it's okay. bullshit that the Browns get to be better, but get to be good and better than the Lions before the Lions get any taste of glory. I that's it just, it's not fair. I don't root for the the. I want the Bills to win the Super Bowl. The Bills aren't this sad poor franchise yeah, like are. you think they are. Yeah, they, they are. went to four straight Super Bowls, didn't win one. Tough break. I you know, but must be nice, guys. Must be nice to to sniff a Super yeah, Bowl like in the nineties. And then they, they had one and Josh of Allen's likable. They, they have they have one of the most likable coaches and quarterbacks in the entire league. They have an extremely likable fan base. So yeah, they can go ahead and win and go win the Super Bowl. And I don't care. Good for them. Don't put the Bills in the okay. same category as okay. the Browns. I'm I'm not. I'm just saying. It makes no sense. Saying. You hate the only thing that made sense is that you don't like Baker, which is fine. But to say the reason you're rooting against them is because misery likes company is incorrect. It's because you don't right, like well, me. Well, okay, okay. To Collins' point, agree I agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. My third question, that. we jumped out of order here because my third question was, is it blasphemy to root for the Browns and the other miserable franchises? So my back to my second question, just to just to get you guys on the record. I I, I want the Bills to win. Rabs and Collins, do you guys both agree? Yeah, yes. give me Buffalo. I I mean, I think Kansas City, it sounds like Mahomes is like gonna play. Just kind of like you thought he like died. And it's like, yeah, he's actually fine. Like, they're just saying that on Sunday night. Like, he, he How about Colin Coward saying they should push the game back if Mahomes can't play? Yeah, I saw that. It is unlistenable. I can't listen to that guy. He uh, used, he used the analogy the of, with uh, – what? <laughs> Sorry. He used the analogy today uh, with, with that, the Patrick Mahomes situation. He was like, Joy, his you know, Joy Taylor, his, his partner, he goes, Joy once went to a Beyonce concert. There was so much traffic. They moved it back three hours. Why can't we just move back for stars? I'm like, bro, what are you talking about right Dude, it's now? Like, we're yeah, not, it was, we're not it's moving bizarre. playoff games for, for one player. I all know time it's bad, bad take. Homes, but sheesh. All, but, but, all time bad take. I Okay, first of all, out of the NFC, like, I, it's kind of weird. Like, I, 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 like, don't have, like, any, like, toward ill will towards Tom Brady anymore. Like, it's still lasting there. But, like, I think it would be funny – just for sports talk, like radio and first take for about like six months if the Bucks won the Super Bowl. Because you'd have you would have like Kellerman and Skip go out and just be like, Let me tell you why Bill Belichick is a fraud. Like I, that would be really funny, but like all in all, I'd want the Bills to win. The Chiefs are the Chiefs are gonna win though. Like they're just going to. So Yeah. Probably. You're right. But let's go Buffalo. No. Let's go Buffalo. Buffalo. Anyways, Super that concludes the trifecta. Thanks for coming. Go Lions, go Tigers, go Pistons, go Wings. That's all I got to say. Awesome. Anything By the way, else, fellas? Side note, I was watching uh, – I don't For some reason, I haven't watched the Pistons the last, like, three games. Watched it tonight. Johnny Kane, I keep forgetting. He just buzzed his hair off. He had a good head of hair, dude. Yeah, I don't really, know why I, he did that. I don't know why he did that. I, and I, I'm not going to say that because he could be – there could be something else, like, whatever. But I kind of like it. look. I kind of like the change of pace. John, Johnny Kane versatile with the haircut. Well, I'm, I'm already used to it too. I'm already used to him. I know. I'm weird. telling you, versatile. So he, 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 working both ways with the long hair and the short hair. Shout out Johnny Kane. Dude, I I cannot get enough of Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond, man. Dude, I, Mickey Redmond is so all time good. Well, Ken Daniels is awesome. Like he's just like awesome at his job. 
Mickey Redmond is what you want out of a color guy. He rips like, them. He'll rip them too. No, like no, Mickey no, gets yeah, pissed what, when they yeah. when they don't play well. He can't the, stand it. No, just Holy he, jumping. He, yeah, yeah. That's oh my god. I love. He's like, you, you get a Louisville flutter to the face. You got to respond. Like if like if someone like doesn't stand up for a teammate. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fine. Oh, but, I love like, Mick. That's why I. It's just it sucks that Mario and Rod are gone. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I know. Hate, I know. Because, I love them, dude. I love because. And like, I like you kind of get it with Gibby, but like they just like both like had like they were both a little like both like Mario very buttoned up, very good, and then you got Rod, who's just like, like maybe not be the most knowledgeable about the game, but he's just so entertaining the whole time. Yeah, and and, and I to be honest, I my favorite is Kelser and Blaha. I think they're like the best, just personally on a day, and because Blaha is just awesome. I can yeah, I I. I want George Blaha to like read me in bedtime stories and just be like, he's like a Jeremy Grant with a gunner. And I would just be like, good night, George. Like I would just be so happy. <laughs> me, me and my roommate were out cooking in the kitchen. We were cooking dinner and then we have the pistons on and, and George Blaha at one point in the first half, just, just goes, I swear, this is all he said. He didn't finish his sentence. He just goes, Sadiq Bay. <laughs> And he's like quiet for like five seconds and then he keeps announcing. It's just so funny. Dude, my brother-in-law told me that he didn't like George Blah and I haven't looked at him the same. Yeah, I don't know how you I don't know how you I don't it made zero sense. It made zero sense. But your brother your brother-in-law, the same one who says seize the day. Yes, shout out Johnny Biceps, seize the day. But okay. (laughs) That that's how we'll end the show. He's probably not listening. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right seize the day indeed that's all for today's episode of the motown rundown for trent bally and ryan collins i am ryan rabinowitz submit any questions comments or suggest topics for the show at motown underscore rundown on twitter or on facebook at the motown rundown page do not miss a single episode of the show we are on apple podcasts we are on spotify new episodes every single week we will see you next time